Well, welcome to A Voice in the Distance Ministries. It's good to be back with you. It's Pastor Rick here as we are venturing into the book of James chapter 2. We're going to be looking at a very, um, oh, controversial, but yeah, something we could all kind of uh, relate to. Uh, even in the ancient days, we see very uh, common and similar things that have been going on then that are happening now. We're going to be dealing with a lot of the things that have to do with like the haves and the have-nots. And, and, you know, James really just kind of, really just took the heart here on, on this aspect. And and I, I'd like to think that, that within time it must have been really getting out of control. And, and so, you know, m- money is a big thing in, 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 the, in the biblical um, in the biblical teachings. When it comes to doing right by it and and doing by, uh, right by by those who have it and those who do not, and and you know James here really gives us some really good insight because he's he's making us think here again, thinking about what our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus taught us from the, from the beginning. He, he's reliving it because again, the King of Kings was not rich. <laughs> not rich when it comes to you know society standards but he was he was wealthier than anybody because of who he was and 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 and, and where he was going and who he is but but when it came to how he lived when it came to you know uh, what he did for a living where he grew up not the case our lord and savior grew up in the town of nazareth a very a, a very um Oh, how would I want to put this? A po- kind of like a poverty town, if you will. It was, it, it was what would you would, we would consider the ghetto of today, and, and it was um, not a very desirable place to be. And, and so he grew up there as a carpenter. And, and, and when they heard he was from Nazareth, they'd be like, well, what good could come from Nazareth? Well, the greatest thing that ever happened to us came from Nazareth. And, and so... We look at certain things today and, and we judge people, you know, because of what they have. You know, b- being wealthy has got to be, I, I don't know anything about it, <laughs> you know, but I, I, know, I know people who are and I've known people who are uh, wealthy. And, and, and if you think really hard about the situation, there is a very, a very tough place to be when you're wealthy. Because deep down, you really don't really know who your true friends are sometimes. And the reason that being is because a lot of them have even said and admitted to it that they really don't know who their true friends are because they either love you for what you have or they or other people hate you for what you have. And so the ones who, who are loving you for what you have, well, a lot of them are just showing you the love because of what you have. But when, but when the... Um, when the benefits stop, they no longer love you. And 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 then you know the the true the veil is un, the veil is lifted and and the truth comes out. See, whether you have money or you don't have money, you have a spirit, you have a soul. You are a human that was created in the image of God. Some have more than others, some have less, whatever the case. You put your pants on the same way every other person does, no matter how much money you have. And you're gonna take your, you're gonna take a last breath one day. 
just like everyone else, no matter how rich or poor you are. The question is, is where are you going? The question is, is what, have you, what are you doing with, with the time that's been given to you right here and now today? Because what we do today really reflects on our future and eternity. And James, again, as I mentioned before, if you followed from the beginning, in the first chapter of James, I made known that the book of James was not a very deep theological book. It was more of a practical book for the Christians, for the established Christians. James was speaking to an established church in Jerusalem. And so even established Christians for a time need to be reestablished because we, we lose our way sometimes. And money does that to people. That's why Jesus said that it's easier for, you know, uh, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to make it into heaven. Why is that? Because, because the money becomes your God. The wealth becomes your, your most prized possession. And, and so that becomes your, your all in all. Very dangerous place to be. And James reminds us of that. James reminds the Christian church of that. And, and I will always make known that it doesn't matter, you know, if you are wealthy. It's, it, it don't matter if you have money as long as the money doesn't have you. See, God is the provider. Jehovah Jireh, the Hebrew term for, for God provides. And if he provides you with wealth, then he figured that, uh, you know, that you could handle it. You know, he knew that you could handle it. God doesn't figure anything, but he, he knows that you can handle it. He knows what you're going to do. Some people needed to be learned, you know, learned the lesson. They needed to be taught a lesson. And, and they had it, and then they lost it. But, you know, I, again, I, I just think that, that James gives us, again, that, that very strong, practical outlook on those who do have money, here's here's the right way to do things. There's a there's a right way and a wrong way to do things, and God always established the right way, because He's God, perfect, right, holy. And and so James is all he's doing is just following the standard. You know, God allows people to be wealthy. God allows certain people not to be wealthy for good reason, because. The reason why a lot of people aren't wealthy is because he's keeping you from destruction. Not everybody is meant to be wealthy because it can and will destroy you. People who win the lottery. You know, it's funny. Uh, some years back, uh, they did a, uh, a survey on people who won the lottery. They kind of observed their lives over the years. And just about every single person who won the lottery ended up broke, losing everything. I think there was only two people. I think there was only two people that weren't really affected by it. And the reason being is because they donated the majority of it away. You know, God blesses uh, people who do right by what God has given them. So we want to look at that today. What are we looking at in what God is giving you? You know, how are we, how are we looking at things without partiality? Because God, God looks at us without partiality. I don't care if you're rich or poor. God looks at all without partiality. So let's look at this. In, in chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, I'm going, to, I'm going to start. And it says, My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord uh, Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. 
For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a, a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, you stand there or sit here at my footstool, have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? So do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ with partiality. That's why I said before that, you see, again, I, I, I've spoken with the wealthy and I've spoken with the homeless. And, and there, if there's something I've learned is, that, again, that, that, that some people are going to take their last breath, may not be on the same day, but we're all going somewhere in eternity. But the question is, is where do we want to go? And so, you know, partiality. See, prejudice was very predominant in these days because, you know, back in the day you had Jew and you had Gentile. You know, you had your slaves. You had the rich. You had the poor. You had your Greek. You had the Greeks. And, the, and if you weren't Greek, you were considered a barbarian, you know, an uneducated person. So it, it was predominant even in the ancient East. And so... James here is trying to bring everybody together. He's trying to bring everybody together. He's arguing against the favoritism, right? Because if you've ever been in a relationship or in your family, and, and, and maybe you felt that you that somebody else was favored, you you can you can remember how that feels. Favoritism is a tough pill to swallow. Right? Because what he's saying here in the essential part of the faith that you, you cannot really be a Christian, you know, and, and simply be affirming the right to, uh, to, to, to any form of, of doctrines with, with biblical facts. Right? You, you must be affirming to these things that, with biblical facts, I should say. You must commit your mind and your heart to Christ, is what, is what the key is. You want to be able to, to, to look at these facts and look at them with what they're saying. You must commit your mind, you must commit your heart. Because we have right actions, we have wrong actions. And, and, and basically what it, what it comes down to is the genuineness. Genuine Christians will, will, will show genuine faith. And, and James' teachings here, what I like about it is, is it's very consistent with Paul's teaching. In that, that we, that we receive salvation by faith alone. Okay, because Paul emphasizes the purpose of faith to bring salvation. James emphasizes the results of faith in that of a changed life. And that's where a lot of people have gotten things mistaken with, uh, between Paul and James. And, and so, we've seen this before. A poor, a poor man walks into a, into a restaurant. I'm sorry, you can't sit here. <laughs> You're not dressed right. You know, it's, it's interesting because I, I think to myself that there's people out there that, have, that had it made. They had it made for a time. And God did them a favor by taking it from them. Because he probably saved their life in some way, shape, or form. 
I can't tell you how many people that I've known that that's happened to. God will, God will allow you to have so much. But then you start to go astray. You start to, to, to become a little arrogant. You start to become a little pro, uh, proud, a little prideful of, of what you feel that you achieved. And though your hand had, had uh, an involvement in it and what you earned, but who do you think provided that? Who do you think could take that away? You know, these are dangerous waters that we tread on when we, when we walk in the ways of the world. Because at any given moment, just like our lives, your wealth can be taken from you. If you think about it, the people who strive to be the richest men in the world, I, I, I wonder how well they sleep at night. Because you know they probably have, they, they can probably afford to purchase the most comfortable beds that, uh, that a manufacturer can, can make. But I guarantee you that their sleep is lacking on that most comfortable bed. Yeah, just recently, one of the most richest men in the world, I just read that uh, him and his wife are divorcing. And she, she is uh, basically deciding on how the wealth should be divided for her. And, and we look at these things, and I think to myself that this is the result. A lot of this comes down to the result of such things. God help us to live a life that, that is true. God help us to live a life that is, that is not focused on wealth, not focused on money, but focused on him. Because it can be a lonely place. It, it can be a very lonely place. God has a place for you in his kingdom. But I don't want to be there. I don't want to be trying to make it through the eye of the needle if I was a camel. <laughs> or even in my human form. I mean, my gosh, that's, that's a very scary thing to think of what Christ said. The rich young ruler, when Jesus was... was um, was, was preaching and he came and, you know, he tried to come and he tried to say, I've done everything, Lord. I've followed all the commandments. I've followed all the laws. And one would have to wonder if that's really true. Because I'm, I'm yet to meet somebody like that, rich or poor. I don't care what they are. But he was bragging about it. So Jesus said to him, I said, he says, well, I tell you what, why don't you sell everything you have and give to the poor and come and follow me? And a lot of you know what happened. The rich man turned around and he walked, he walked away sadly with his head hung low. And that's when Jesus said that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to make it into heaven. The rich man's name wasn't even worth mentioning. And so that is the key here to, to certain things. You know, and, and so I, I look at his, you know, he made it known here that, that if somebody should come into your assembly, you know, a man with gold rings and fine apparel, you know, we look at that stuff today. You know, we, we look at that stuff today, and, and, and a lot of us are, are in awe over those things. And so the thing why he mentioned the gold rings is because, again, in these societies, if you wore gold rings, that was a sign of wealth. And so, 
But the kicker was is that even in the ancient days, you could actually rent these rings. He didn't even have to own it. It's like modern-day car rental places. You know, you can go and rent a Ferrari. You can rent a Lamborghini and drive it around for a hefty price for the day. But you don't own it, but you sure are fooling the masses. And it was the same way with the wealthy. And there are the people wanting to, to look the part in the day. You could rent the rings, but you didn't own it. But there were the people that did. So they wore the gold rings as a sign of wealth. Very common, in the, especially in the, within the Roman Empire. And, and so that was their sign of wealth, and which is why James says, For those of you who come walking in with gold rings and apparel, making it known... That, that you are, that you are who you are and that you have something. I'm special. <laughs> Nowadays you wear that kind of stuff in certain areas. You're not going to have it very long. Somebody's going to go and rob you. Gold means nothing to our Lord. He himself said gold means nothing to him because the streets in heaven are paved in gold. Well, basically what he's saying is, is that gold has the uh, the net worth of asphalt, as, as it would here, or dirt back in their days as their roads were paved. So to him, gold was like equivalent to dirt. But you are equivalent to more than gold. Every human life. Every human soul. No matter what you have... You are worth more than gold to him. And so this is, again, a very important passage that we need to remember because we still suffer from these problems in today's society. And, and we look at, let's look here in verse 5 through 7. Listen, my beloved brethren, God, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor men. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme the noble name by which you are called? Now, I want to look at some stuff here. I want to think about something here. You know, why it's wrong to, ju to judge a person by, by their, I guess what you would consider their economic status. Because we look at wealth as an indication of possible intelligence, maybe something of, of wise decisions. Oh, let's not forget hard work, right? And, and, but on the other hand, it may mean only that a, that a person had uh, maybe good fortune. Maybe they were born into a wealthy family. We like to call the, the silver spoon in the mouth is what we like to call. Some have, uh, some have been uh, gotten it out of greed, dishonesty. They've cut throats to get where they're at. And by honoring someone just because of because they dress well, or or they have that appearance, is 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 very is very frowned upon. Here is what is being said. When we, when we look at poverty, you know, poverty makes people uncomfortable. It, it does. I've been there. You know, we don't want to face our responsibilities to those who have been less than we do. People want to be wealthy. They want to be wealthy too, and we hope to use the rich person as a means to that end sometimes. You know, they, 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 we might want uh, the rich person to, to join the church, to, you know, to be a, a supporter. You know, and, and it could be uh, motives of a selfish demeanor. But we are often also partial to the rich because, because we've also mistakenly assumed that, that riches are a sign of God's blessings at times. 
It, it can be, but it, but we also have to remember. But there's there's another source that could offer you riches as well from an, from an earthly standpoint. You know, the Lord calls us to suffer for Him, right? And when James is speaking about the poor, he's talking about those you know, yes, who have no money or or, or not much, but he's also talking about those who who have simple values in life. People who are despised by uh, by people in society. You know, there, there's so much involved here between what we look at as what is rich and poor. You know, the, the rich often can sin against themselves. They, they can often fight amongst each other for the sake of what they have. Because he said he makes it known. Do they not blaspheme? Right. Do they not blaspheme themselves? Yes, they do. Everybody does. You know, God has not only chosen the poor. Yet, may, may we say that he has chosen the poor. He, he's chosen us all. But he's chosen us all to do by right. Jesus, has, Jesus did have a, a heart. The Lord did have a heart for the poor. Blessed are the poor, for theirs, are, theirs is the kingdom of God. But not just the poor financially, but the poor, the, the meek in spirit too. The humble. That's what it comes down to, is, is, is the ultimate of humility. A lot of people don't like this. You know, well, what about this or what about that? We have to look at the, what the Word of God says in its context. If you have wealth, congratulations, God blessed you and gave it to you. But there's a stern warning to do right and be right by it. And I'm not saying give it all the way all the time. I'm saying, I'm saying give glory to God first. And then do what he's told you to do with it. Whatever it may be. God has given you the gift. And for those who are poor, for those who are without, well, you know what? That means that you don't have to worry about too much, do you? You know, you, you, your ability to serve the Lord can cause you to walk even stronger in, 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 without any interference. Because even rich Christians that have lost their, their wealth have shown their true colors. We're, we're happy as long as things are going well. But how will you handle it if it's taken from you? You know, I love what Paul the Apostle said. You know, I've had, I've had much, I've had little. But I have learned to be content. And, and, and contentment is key. Contentment is a very large key that, that could fit into any lock. And 8 and 9 says, but if you fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressor, transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak, and, and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Well, what, is this, what is the royal law? Jesus gave it to us. Right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. 
And then love your neighbor as yourself. That, that is the greatest of the laws, all wrapped into one. Right? It, it's the basis for, the, for all the laws of how people should, should relate to one another. And, and our Lord and Savior, what he did was is he enforced this in Matthew chapter 22. Paul taught it in, in Romans chapter 13. Uh, I believe it was also in uh, Galatians chapter 5 as well that, that Paul re uh, elaborated this. It's, it's the golden rule that they call it, right? Treat somebody as you'd want to be treated, right? And, and so we should not ignore the rich because then we would, we'd be withholding our love. But we also don't want to favor them as well. Our political platform nowadays has separated us too. You got one side of political parties that, that, that claim that there's a, a favoring towards the wealthy, and then you got another uh, political party that's, uh, that's uh, favoring the, um, the, the poor and the poverty, if you will. It's the fingers being pointed. And, and so that's the, that's, the, uh, that's the problem with politics, is, a, is that maybe, it, maybe there is some of that going on somewhere, depending on the politician. But God is no politician. God is a, God is creator and a holy king and, a, and 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 again master of all of all things. And 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 so again, it don't matter what you have or don't have. He wants you. He loves you. He died for you. And and, and that is that is what it comes down to. I, I tried to make this very simple. Because, again, we can get into a lot of discussions. I know people who have a lot. And, and people don't always like to hear this. I, I know people who have very little. And, and they have a resentment towards those who have much. I think it's time that, that Christ come into the middle of our lives... And he brings everyone together. Because I love what he said about where we're all going to dwell one day for those who have received him. In my father's house are many mansions. Now, we're, we're going to say mansions because of what we see here on earth. But the, the translation is many dwelling places. The key is that we're going to be dwelling together and we're going to be dwelling in heaven. It's not going to matter what I have and what you have. We're going to be up there together worshiping and, and praising and, 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 and being together for all of eternity. That is what it comes down to. When Christ came down from heaven, he brought down the culture of heaven to bring here to earth for our sake. And so God help us to, to continue in the heavenly culture because it is very desperately needed today. I am preaching this in the year of 2021. And we are in, in, in danger of declining even more and more as we decline from the word of God, as we decline from the commandments of our Lord, as we decline from love, as we decline from family. It's, it, it's, time, to, it's time to come back to the simplicity of the word of God. The simplicity of loving one another. 
I love it when Jesus took a child and put him on his lap and he said, you know, in order to inherit the kingdom of God, you must be like this child. See, when you were a little child, they didn't care about what race or ethnicity or where you came from or how much money you have or what you don't have. All they cared about was playing with you. All they cared about was your company. All they cared about was you in general. It wasn't until we got a little older that we declined in the mindset. God help us to go back to our childlike demeanor. Because we are all his children, no matter how old you are, how rich you are, how poor you are, how powerful or weak you are. Whatever you are, you are his or you're not. And again, I wanted to simplify this. I wanted to simplify this message because I like to get in depth. I love theology. I love the word of God. I love being in depth with things. But but see, in order to teach it in its context, I had to make it as simple as possible because that's what James did. It's quite simple. Don't show partiality. Because Christ didn't show partiality. We, we, we have a Lord and a Savior and a God of invitation who invites all, no matter who you are, where you're from, what you've done, how, what you have or don't have. He wants you. He created you. He's been waiting for you. And as a servant of his, it is my calling, my, my duty, and my, and my distinct honor to be one that invites uh, I want to invite you to meet our Father because we're related through Him. He created us. He created us and related us. And I want to take this time now to, to bring you to Him, to a knowledge of Him, and, and, to, and to make you known, make Him known to you, and, and make you known to the world that you are now a new creation. If God's blessed you with wealth, congratulations. May you do right by it. If he has not, then may you bless him and thank him for what you have and and whatever it is he's going to give you. Because he shows no partiality and neither should you or I. And no matter what you've done, what you have or don't have, he's calling you now. And if you're hearing this message and if you you feel that that urge that that you want to be with him... That you want to go to heaven, that you that you want to be in eternity with with our Lord and Savior. You can have that. That'll make you the richest person on earth. No matter what you'll ever have, you will be the richest person on earth ever by receiving Him as your Lord and Savior. Well, how do I do that? Is the question. A lot of people don't know what to do, and it's simple. All you do is you invite Him in. A simple prayer of invitation. He's a God of invitation and he wants your invitation. You know, Jesus was invited to dinner by a tax collector. You know, everybody hated tax collectors because they ripped people off and and nobody would have anything to do with them. And and he, uh, you know, a tax collector invited Jesus to his house for dinner. He says, I'll be there. And the tax collector said, you know, on top of it, you know, I'm going to give back to everybody I've ever, that I've ever ripped off and all these other things. And Jesus looked at him and said, take a look at him. You have seen the result 
of, of salvation. You have seen the result of repentance. You can have that right now, no matter what you've done. Let's do that together right now. Let's call upon him and receive him as Lord and Savior. And you can repeat this prayer after me to mean it in your heart. Dear God, please forgive me. Forgive me of all of my sins. As I confess to you that I am a sinner. I ask, Lord, that you will wash me of my sins. That you will cleanse me of my sins. I receive you now as my Lord. I receive you as my Savior. I ask you, Lord, to enter into my heart. As I receive you as my Father, my Lord, and my Savior. Thank you for dying for me on the cross, Lord. Wash me of my sins now, Lord. As I receive you in my heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I, I pray that, that that God bless you and, and maybe that you, you got something out of this. You know, a lot of people uh, can hear some of these things and they'll say to themselves, well, I don't really relate to this. You know, a lot of us don't relate to everything. But somewhere down the line, maybe we will. So let's not, let's not look at this with arrogance or with a blind eye. Because if he gave it to us in his word, it was meant to be observed and followed. He is meant to be observed and followed. So I want to congratulate you for the greatest decision you've ever made. And I want to welcome you into the family of Christ. Because now you will truly live forever. May God bless you. May he keep you. Much love to you. And may you walk with him always. God bless you.